two pieces of peace. And I thought of all kinds of funny ways, two pieces of the peace and ba 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 and then nothing looked good on paper. So but but I, I just I just want us to pay attention to this this theme this morning that we're gonna see this theme of peace that runs through this passage and how it's connected to really two great themes that we'll hear about. So before I do that, just to set you guys up and remind you guys where we are, we are on Easter Sunday, okay? We're in John 20. We're in John 20. We're going to start in verse 19. We're going to go through 23, but we're on Easter Sunday. Just like we were last week, remember when Jesus arose and he showed himself to Mary and he said, Mary, it's me. And she said, go tell my brothers. Now this is... This is that night, okay? So we're just a few hours after where we were last week. And, and that's where our, our, our text picks it up. So I am going to read, we're going to pray, and then we're going to open up, um, open up this text, hopefully, in a way that God will meet us. This is the word of the Lord. John 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week... The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. These are God's very words. Let's pray. Lord, we... We've come here to meet with you. God, your people are gathered together. We want to hear your voice. Father, you sent your son to die so that we could hear your voice this morning. Lord, you raised your son from the dead. And brought him to yourself so that he would send his spirit into our hearts so that we could hear from you this morning. Thank you, God. that you're committed to husband your bride. Thank you, God, that you're so merciful to us, that you're merciful to me as an inadequate vessel, a broken vessel. Lord, I can do nothing in my own strength. We can do nothing to transform our own hearts, but you can. And your spirit is here, Lord. You've opened a door through your son that no one can shut. And so we cry out through that open door before your holy throne. Meet us here this morning. 
work on our hearts, transform our hearts, advance us, Lord, from one degree of glory to the next today. Let us make progress. Let us make progress in you, in our love of you, in our understanding of you, in our intimacy with you, in our strength with you. Lord, let us make progress. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I want to draw out two big themes that I think are in this text this morning regarding the peace of Christ. The two themes are the wounds that bring peace and the mission that brings peace. The wounds that bring peace and the mission that brings peace. First, the wounds that bring peace. Listen again. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So again, this is still Easter Sunday. It is evening. Mary's told the disciples what Jesus told her to tell them. But they are huddled together in fear. They're all locked up together in the same room. And the environment is fear. For fear of the Jews, John said. Remember, that always means the religious leadership of the nation. So in your imagination, you might think of any church in Syria or Iraq right now. You might think of radical jihadists running the countryside. They've taken over. They're aware that there's a group of blaspheming infidels, Christians, in the area. They've been able to capture and murder their leader, but the rest of the group is hiding away just a few hours after the murder of their leader. They're loyal to him. They want to be loyal to him. They're loyal to his, his heart and his friendship and what his message means, but they're scared. And so they've come together for mutual support, but they're also huddled together because they're mutually afraid that a similar fate will meet them that's met their leader. And the group has no reason to think that they won't be the next targets. So this explains the, the racing around to some degree that remember we saw last week that Mary's running, Peter's running, John's running. There's tension. And the, the theme of that tension this evening is, is obviously fear. And suddenly in the midst of that fear, Jesus came and stood in their midst. The doors are locked. The inference here is that Jesus did not walk through an open door. He didn't unlock the door. He simply appears in their midst. He, he passes through the door the same way that John intimates in the first few verses of this chapter that he passed through the grave clothes. And he says, peace be with you. They're terrified, they're afraid, and he says, peace. Peace. But he doesn't just say peace. What does he do? He shows them his wounds. He shows them his side. And in that context, he says peace. And it is only after that showing of his wounds that John says, and then they were overjoyed. They were glad. The wounds that bring peace. 
When Jesus shows up to these disciples, how does he do it? He doesn't show up with a gavel to judge them. He doesn't show up with a, a wooden spoon to spank them. He, he doesn't show up with a rod of iron to keep them in check. There needs to be peace here. Why are you guys so cowardly? That's dishonoring to me. No, he shows up with wounds. He says, peace be with you. Do you hear Isaiah 53 here? The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus knows that the real thing to be afraid of for his disciples is something far more terrifying, far more immovable, far more powerful than the Pharisees. It's the wrath of his own father at sin. And he knows that if he's taking care of that problem, there is no real fear to have any longer. The Pharisees are no problem for God. The Romans are no problem for God. Any earthly circumstance that these disciples might fear and be afraid of, it's no problem for God. The problem for God is what does he do with rebellion against him in light of his justice and holiness? And the answer is Jesus' wounds. The answer is peace. Look, I'm not angry with you anymore. Look, there's no wrath for you anymore. Peace. These wounds bring peace because they testify that their sins have been paid for. They tell these men, they tell us, brothers and sisters, that God has poured out the punishment that we deserve, some of which we understand and some of which we'll never understand. That regardless of whether we understand it or not, the punishment has been poured out. Once more, there are wounds that exist in a risen Christ. Right? There's not some angel showing them the cadaver of Jesus and saying, Peace. No, this is Jesus risen from the grave who's saying peace. I am not dying for your sins anymore. Your sins aren't still in process in the credits, in the credits section of God's Holiness Bureau. We'll call you when your payment has been received. No, this is a receipt with a big red stamp that says paid in full. Jesus is not still dying for your sins. When he said it is finished, he knew what he was talking about. Hebrews 10 puts it this way. When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us Citing Jeremiah, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Where there is forgiveness for these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Take that verse and flip it around. If the offering's already been made, 
there is nothing but forgiveness for these things. We don't owe God anything anymore. Jesus paid what we owed him. And this is what he says to them when he says peace and shows them his wounds. Peace comes to those who see the wounds with their spiritual eyes. Do you, do you see his wounds here this morning or do you sit with unresolved guilt? Do you know that God is, is more satisfied with the wounds of his son than anything you could or ever will do to atone for your sins? Do you know that he's much better at paying for your sins than you are? That there's nothing you could do to improve on those wounds? If you struggle with low-grade guilt almost on a daily basis as I do, I just encourage you to hear these words from, from Thomas Wilcox. He said he's a, an old dead guy. <laughs> You're like, Thomas Wilcox, oh yeah. No. no, he's old and dead, but he said something really, really good. He said this, Do not legalize the gospel as if part remained for you to do or suffer, and Christ were but a half-mediator. As if you must bear part of your own sin and make some satisfaction. Let sin break your heart, but not your hope in the gospel. Let sin break your heart, but not your hope in the gospel. So I appeal to you this morning, men and women, see his wounds afresh this morning, the wounds of the risen Savior, and hear him saying to you, peace. Peace be with you. If you've got unrepentant sin that you're aware of that you need to bring to him, Bring it to him. His wounds cover that. But if, if you're just tormented and you're bringing him what you can, what you can see, and you're asking him for help, I just want to encourage you, are you looking at his wounds? Are you seeing the wounds of a risen Savior who's done paying for your sins, who's made satisfaction? The second great theme of this passage is the mission that brings peace. The mission that brings peace. Jesus said to them again, he said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So notice, after the first peace was offered and the wounds were shown and the fear was erased and their hearts were made glad, after all of that, there's this second peace. There's another peace that he proclaims upon them. But he doesn't show his wounds again this time. He tells them, I'm sending you forth. This is the Gospel of John's version of the Great Commission. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me. So we should ask the question, well, how did the Father send his Son? God sent his Son into the world out of love. And so the apostles are sent to love the world. God sent his Son into the world to do his will, to do the Father's will. Jesus says, I've come not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And so the apostles are not sent to do their own will, but God's will. 
God sent his son as his representative. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the father. And so the apostles are not sent to represent themselves, but Jesus to the world. And in those same principles, we're sent. But who is adequate for these things? I mean, I don't know what the apostles were thinking when Jesus said this stuff, but I think they were probably thinking, I was really happy a few moments ago because you're here to protect me, but you're telling me I got to go out there now again. And they just tried, they just killed you. And so, so Jesus says, no, 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 peace. Peace, guys. I'm sending you. But peace, I'm sending you with peace. Because listen, peace because he blows on them he breathes on them i'm not sending you out alone in john 15 jesus had said i'm going to send you my holy spirit and he will witness about me and you will witness about me Now, Jesus has paid for the Spirit to come to his people with his own blood. He's paid for the Spirit to come upon his own people. And he commands that to happen in this sort of parable of breath. That word breath, pneuma, it's the same word. I believe that's the word John uses. It's the same word for spirit. In Jesus' breath, there's this picture of his spirit, his very life. It's Jesus' breath. It's Jesus' spirit. His very self being breathed onto them being breathed into them to make them new creations. Remember Genesis 1.1, in the beginning of time, the Spirit of God, the breath of God is hovering over the waters, creating, creating this world through God's words. Now, God again speaks through His Son and through that same Holy Spirit, He creates anew. He creates a new creation out of these 11 men. He gives new life to you and I, brothers and sisters, to be new creations. We won't see the the full manifestation of this new creative power until Pentecost, seven weeks or so from this day. But Jesus is letting them know what will happen then is because I'm making it so. Because I've died and I've risen I'm going to ascend and I'm sending my spirit just as I promised you a few days ago in the upper room. And then Jesus says this difficult thing. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What Jesus is essentially saying here is I'm handing you the mission. I'm going up to my father and I'm giving you the mission to proclaim my gospel to this world. To proclaim forgiveness of sins. And if people accept this proclamation, their sins are forgiven. But if they reject this proclamation, their sins are not forgiven. So apostles, church, I'm handing you the authority to proclaim forgiveness of sins over this world. I'm giving you this message to take to the world. And if people reject this message, they're rejecting me. The message you're bringing. If people receive this message, they're receiving me. The forgiveness I'm bringing. So what do we do with this second piece ourselves? 
There's the peace from the wounds. There's also the peace from the mission. Some of us here today are going to find peace by looking at the wounds of Jesus afresh this morning. We're overloaded with guilt. We're stuck in a performance mindset. But others of us need to see that Jesus gives us a peace. He pronounces, peace be upon you in the mission. There's a gift of his peace that comes to the soul that knows that its greatest and its first call is to be a sent one for Jesus. There's two pieces here proclaimed. Peace by the wounds and peace for the sending. Peace over you for the mission he's given you. Now, before you think that I'm calling you all to street evangelism every Tuesday night with Bob Grove, I'm not doing that. To Bob's chagrin, he's upset with me. Albert, you're twisting this text. This is a perfect opportunity to make everyone go out with me on Tuesday nights. I wish you guys would go out. I wish we were doing more with Bob Grove. There are other ways to evangelize. But I'm not also calling you to North Korea, you know, to get on a plane. And that, that's not what I'm saying necessarily. The Holy Spirit has to work that kind of thing out in your life with other people. But, but what I am asking us all to see is that we may not be a capital A apostle. We may not go to the ends of the earth literally, right? You may not be called to international mission in that literal way, but, but you are, like them, a sent one for Jesus wherever you are, to represent him wherever you are. From the beginning of creation, God has called man to be his image bearer. Let us make man in our image. Let us make man to represent us wherever he is. And that is still God's plan for you and I. When Jesus sends the twelve, they're to represent him, his interests, his characters, his goal. I'm sending you. You're not going out there for yourself. You're sending that you're going out for me. You are to represent me. And the math isn't hard to do in the Bible. That idea, that principle, we are to represent Jesus. It crosses the generations. It crosses the callings and the offices. You are not a capital A apostle. I am not either. Not all of you are pastors. Not all of you have the gift of evangelism the same way Bob Grove might have it or Marshall might have it. But you are all called to represent Jesus Christ and to image him wherever you are. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Represent God in everything you do to everyone you know. Show them who God is wherever you are. Philippians 2 Have this attitude, Have let this attitude consume you, which was also in Christ Jesus. From Ephesians 4 and 5 Therefore, be imitators of God. Beloved children, look like your father and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 1 Corinthians 11. Be imitators of me, Paul says. Oh, we're supposed to follow Paul and imitate Paul and image Paul. No, no, no. Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. Follow me because I'm following Jesus. Look like me because I look like Jesus. Romans 8. What is the whole goal of redemption? All the neither height nor death nor breath, anything can separate us from love of God, 
He called, he predestined, he justified. Romans 8, it's a huge, huge plan of redemption that is exposed to us. All the groaning of creation until our full adoption. The whole point is in this verse to be, I can't remember the exact verse, I'm afraid right now, I didn't write it down. But here's the whole point. To be, what is God's purpose? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's whole purpose for you, to image and represent Jesus Christ. So just as Jesus said to the apostles, guys, your lives don't belong to you anymore. I purchased them, they're for me. They're for my use. They're for my image. They're for my mission. That is what he says to each and every one of you and me, men and women, this morning. Wherever you exist right now, you are sent there by Jesus to image him there, to represent him, his heart, his interests, his goals. He sends you to your wife to represent him to her. Wives, he sends you to your husband to represent him, not yourself. He sends you to your kids to represent him, not yourself. He sends you to your classroom students and college and high schools to represent him and not yourself. He sends you to your workplace to show them how hard and fair and kind Jesus is in you when he's at work. He sends you into your neighborhoods to befriend them, to care for them, to be generous to them. He sends you to those encounters at the restaurant or in an airplane or in a traffic jam or in a family reunion where you can proclaim with not just your character but your own words. Christ forgives sins. He's forgiven my sins. That's how I'm able to represent him. He forgave me. He filled me with his spirit. That's what you're seeing here. To show them the power he's placed in you. The power of a risen life living inside you. The power of of a new love serving inside you. The power of his gospel. That you stand, I stand always ready, you say. I'm always ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within me. Lord, may they be provoked by my life and wonder, why why is this lady so kind when there's so much biting going on in this world? What's up with her? Well, can I tell you where my hope is? It's not in me. If you belong to Jesus this morning, you represent Jesus. Inside his church, you represent him to his church. In your care group, you represent him, not yourself. Outside his church, you represent him and not yourself. You are a sent one. Inside the church, you are a sent one. Outside the church, you are a sent one. How are we going to do this? The spirit of the risen Christ is given because you can't do it. So he gives you his spirit so that you can do it. And when you give yourself to that mission, when you acknowledge, Lord, this is what my life is for. It's for you. He doesn't sit back and say, go, go get out there and get to work. I'm waiting. No, when you acknowledge him in brokenness and say, Lord, my life belongs to you. My parenting belongs to you. My husbanding belongs to you. My employment belongs to you. He says, I am right there with you. You think I'm going to let you in slavish fear gut this out on your own? No way. Oh, I love it. (laughs) When you acknowledge what you're made for so I can come in and give you the power to be that very thing. 
Listen, he knows you cannot do this on your own. He knows this is impossible for you to do. He knows you will struggle and be imperfect, but he wants you to understand and acknowledge and confess what the actual game plan is. Right? He's like, Albert, you're down there on the football field with a baseball bat. (laughs) You're, You're fighting the wrong fight. You're trying to play the wrong game. You're fighting for your own interests and you're getting worn out. Dude, you're a sent one. You represent me. Let me give you my spirit. Let me underwrite this check. Let me give you a credit card to make some purchases that I want you to make. You know, if you think my spirit's going to underwrite a a bunch of purchases I don't want you to make, I'm going to cancel that card. I'm going to crank up the spirit's flow. I'm not going to take the spirit from you, but you're going to grieve my spirit and you're not going to find yourself empowered. But when you give yourself to my purposes, I'm going to give myself to you in power. And I remember a few years ago, my sister, just love my sister, and, and trying to figure out, my sister's a fiery one, she's a passionate lady, and um, just really burdened for her to know Jesus, and really filled with fear how to talk to her and it was just like okay lord this is this is i want to do this i want to care for her i want to speak your name and your truth into her life there's these opportunities in this conversation i'm so scared of getting yelled at i'm so scared of making a mistake i'm scared of messing this up i'm scared of being offended by her and offending her I just all i could do was just remind myself of that promise in his word grab onto that promise Albert, you have the mind of Christ. Jesus is in you. He gives his mind to you. He gives his help to you. He gives his power to you. And I just, in the midst of my fear, I just kept holding on to that. That's all I could do is just hold on to that promise. And slowly that evening, he just raises me out of that fear. And suddenly I found myself saying things in my own power I just couldn't imagine being able to say. Because I knew what the battle was. It was not to fight for him of interest. It was his. And I knew where the power came from. It came from him and not myself. And the rest was just holding on for dear life. (laughs) Now, Satan will tell you he cannot help you. He will try to get you to give up the fight. That's probably the biggest battle is to not give up on God's help for you. You know, I've used this example of my parenting a few different times um, in the last month because it's been so really, I mean, for me, it's been a little revolution in my heart. I was at this dad-to-dad night uh, in April, I think it was, which my last sermon post-op for the two people who've actually read that, um, I, I'm angry about that. Lord, help me. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. That is, this is getting weird and manipulative. We're moving away from that. So, no, but seriously, I sent this sermon post-op a few weeks ago, and I had a link to the dad-to-dad stuff, um, which Tim Abel had put together this, this, this um, record of that night and everything that was sent, and it was fantastic. It was a fantastic night, and it was really, in a, in a real way, where's Mark Nichols? It was life-changing for me. You know, and I've said this before, Mark just said, hey, you know, we represent God to our kids, not ourselves. And I know Mark isn't saying he does that perfectly, but, but, but he is, he's an older dad telling a younger dad what the game plan is. And man, that has just changed my life with my kids. Um, 
I struggle with anger. I'm a passionate person. That's one of my besetting sins. And um, when my little kids uh, don't give me the respect that I feel like I deserve or they don't give me the rest that I think I deserve, it's just so easy for me to treat them with, um, with my anger because I'm not getting what I want. But that night, the Lord spoke to me through Mark and he said, you don't represent yourself to them, you represent them. And so I, in like 0.4 seconds, every day I'm going through this routine. And I just thought, I know I've said this before, but I thought maybe, I talked to Jen about this, maybe if I just slow it down for you guys, it will, it will, it will give you some sense of, of the, the truth of, of, of the dynamic of, of what it means to, to be a sent one and to receive help. My kids screaming and yelling, it's just complete bananas, you know, complete insane havoc. He is destroying whatever peace there is in the house with his fit. And I am tempted to be livid. Like, this is crazy, dude. What You are just screaming about not being able to get this stormtrooper head on top of this little stormtrooper Lego body. Like, you are screaming as if your toenails are being pulled off. There, There is a Lego head on a little Lego body that is going to fall off a thousand more times today, and you're going to have the same fit about it. And I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to submit to that world that you rule in as a complete tyrant over me. Because of this Lego head. And it's just like, there's, there's nothing that makes sense about it. There's <laughs> and, and in that moment, here's what happens. Judgment! Matthew? Hey, buddy. Hey, little buddy. That's what happens. <laughs> hey, buddy. That happens about 78 times an hour in my house. But what is happening in that moment, in that 0.4 seconds, is I have interests, and I want to represent them. I have an interest in sanity and peace, and good parenting and good household government. I have a son who is not interested in those things. He is interested in the only thing... The only thing he's interested in this world with all of his passion is getting this Lego head to fit on this Lego body. And those interests collide. And in that moment, I have to decide, do I, am I gonna repre- am I gonna represent myself and, 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 and get mad and yell and be angry for myself at this little two-year-old boy? I think I'm gonna do that. <laughs> But God is here. And I know what the game plan is. And so I, in those, those facial expressions, I'm doing this. I'm saying, God, that's not what I'm, that's not the game plan. I'm a sent one. I'm here to represent you to my little boy. I'm a sent one. And God, and so God, please help. Because that's what you do. You help your sent ones with your spirit. And then God helps his sent one who's got 80,000 holes in that vessel, but he helps him anyway. And I'm able to bring some peace to my son in that moment and, and try to do something different. That's what happens. Satan will tell you, God cannot help you. I can't think of a bigger battle than to say, that is garbage. I am a sent one. And he breathes his spirit onto his sent ones. John Newton says this, We are never more safe, never have more reason to expect the Lord's help than we, we are most sensible that we can do nothing without him. 
Oh, he is a suitable savior. He has power, authority, compassion to save to the uttermost. All shall work together for good. Everything is needful that he sends. Nothing can be needful that he withholds. Hide yourself under the shadow of his wings. Rely upon his care and power. When you cannot see your way, be satisfied that he is your leader. When your spirit is overwhelmed within you, he knows your path. He will not leave you to sink. He is not appointed season. He has appointed seasons of refreshment and you shall find that he does not forget you. If you fight the fight of faith and not give up on his promises and not say to him I know better you can't help me and not say to Satan you're right about God he can't help me so let me ask you and myself today do you know you're a sent one Do you know you're on a mission to represent Jesus Christ, his interests, his heart, his goals, and not your own? Might you sit here this morning, possibly some of us, with less energy, less power, less hope than we want because our life is currently dominated by our own interests, our own desires instead of his. They might be good desires for your two-year-old kid to not slowly but surely drive you completely insane. But if if that's your goal, is is to represent your own interests, his Holy Spirit is not going to underwrite that check to allow you to continue in that pursuit. You will be frustrated. So might this be a morning to affirm, Lord, my marriage, my career, my parenting, my school, my friendships, my neighborhood, these are mission fields. These are places where you've called me to care for your disciples or make disciples. I'm called to be sent here for your mission, not my own. These are the two great peace be with you's that Jesus offers us today. Look at my wounds. Peace. Peace. I've paid for it. Look at my mission. Peace. Peace. I'll give you strength through my spirit for it.